Welcome to the Sales Globe Rethink Sales Podcast. I'm Mark Danolo. And I'm Michelle Seeger. And today, Michelle, we're going to be talking with a special guest. It's a Camille about personal branding, which is something I think we all want to learn about. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited that we can call Itzik Amil, who is an award-winning international speaker, best-selling author. We can also call him a colleague and a friend. Mm -hmm. So today we're going to talk about turning relationships into revenue and results and personal branding. It's going to be a great podcast today. Okay, so today we're talking to Itzik Amil. He is an award-winning speaker, motivational trainer, um, attorney. I mean, you name it. He's like got it all going on, yep. right? He's yep. attorney at law, a mentor, business mentor, professional services mentor. Um, Itzik, welcome. We are really excited to have you here with us today. Thanks a lot, Michelle and Mark. Actually, I love it because, you know, you got confused in the titles. That's why <laughs> a job. You know, my boss doesn't know. What are you doing? I said, you shut up. You give me one salary and I'm seven thing at the same time. So <laughs> You have got like, yeah, so many things going on. It's almost like um, you must have a great ability to multitask. Yeah. <laughs> and no, actually, I'm regretting about it. If you ask me now, biggest regret, I'm overqualified. This is the biggest regret. <laughs> <laughs> That's really fun. You know, it's like saying, my wife said, you are, you're fat. I said, no, I'm just born in the wrong heights. It's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's like you, uh, you, you've had an amazing journey. Uh, through your career, through your life. And, and I, I think that we'd love to start there and just learn about you and, and how you've gotten to where you are. Because one thing we talk about all the time is, you know, you've got goals when you're younger and, and you want to accomplish certain things and you set these goals and you work on the milestones, et cetera. But then somewhere along the way, we develop a path, right? And we don't know what that path is until we actually get there. We go, wow, look, look what I did and where I came from. And, and so uh, tell us a little bit about your, your background and, uh, and how you got to where you are now. Right. Uh, thanks for that. I mean, I, I would say I'm still on my journey. So yeah, it's not here at the ecology. I'm not dying yet. And I'm still <laughs> <laughs> my journey. So welcome to my journey. But you know, Mike, you said such a wonderful thing. I think I never planned and I would never plan. I don't have mission and vision. I knew what I love. I found out what I really love during the years. I, I think I feel comfortable now. I think I'm very good at. And I also know very well what I hate very much. And that took me a long time to define, you know, to define because I realized I don't need them in my life. Because, you know, when I was young and I used to have a, a, sorry to use a bad word, asshole boss, I had to give my money. <laughs> but now I know I can get rid of them and I can find another job. It took time to understand that. And, and I even promised the last one, I stand on the biggest stage of the world and I thank him for being such an idiot. Because otherwise I'll be a good employee standing, working for a company and never standing out. But I think, um, I think what I really enjoy, and I think a lot of people will identify themselves with, is the path. Because I think right. if, I, if there was an exit in my end of my path, I probably want to start again from the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people in the startup world feeling the same. It's not about making money and exit because there's emptiness there. You want to start again. It's the challenge. You take something right. from nothing, make it amazing. And when it becomes a routine, it's so easy then you better go back to the uncomfortable to be successful again, because otherwise you'd be comfortable. You no, know? I think the path that every time meeting new people, you don't know what happened. Uh, like this morning, I talked to somebody within an hour, because that's my mission. An hour I have a conversation, all to make him lifetime connection, best friend. So much that if people met us, they think we know each other for 20 years, although we know each other for one hour. Oh, that's the end of the conversation. One hour of fame and that's it. And that's the time I need to. And most of the time it takes me about five minutes because I'm so alert in my brain of other people. Right. I was working for years on my library, in my brain, and all of us doing it, by the way, in, unintentionally when you cross the street, when you see people, when you're on the bus or a train or a plane, you always, your brain said, I like it, don't like it, I like it, don't like it. The brain do it constantly, consistently. Now, if you know how to tap into it and there's principles, You'll smell people from kilometers. You know, authentic people. You see people <laughs> on you think. So you give them five minutes of fame and they say, go, bye, I have to go. You know, and I never say no to people. That's another thing because I'm a giver. So it's hard to say no. But I, I say deferred yes. What do I mean? It's like if somebody asks something for me and I'm really not sure I want to help them, 
And it's very hard to say no. I would say, you know what? I'm so busy right now. Let's talk at the end of August. Why? Because I teach follow-up and I know 98% of people failing in the follow-up. Most people mm-hmm. won't follow-up. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. I give them a deferred yes, they turn it into a no. There you go. So two tips just in the beginning of our conversation. I love that deferred follow-up though, because what you're doing is you're kind of testing them and 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 their drive and their interest and their tenacity to be able to follow up, right? That that's a filter right there. Absolutely. I mean, I agree. I mean, it, because it's always reciprocity. I mean, you know, relationship is reciprocity. You cannot decide you want to be a friend with somebody and they don't like you. I mean, you know, not gonna go nowhere with it. But sometimes, I mean, I'm driving almost like I'm I'm, I'm literally saying like I'm crashing that car into a wall because sometimes I'm really driving fast. Because I always believed, and I heard it many years ago, somebody told me, um, what if it's you, tomorrow is your last day of your life? What will you yeah. do today? And most people ask this question, will you, what do you do today? And they give me different answers. So, so what are you doing now? Go do it now. <laughs> what are you waiting for? So right, I mean, right. that's how I lived my life. And if you know me, and I think you know my story, I survived in Israel from terrorist attack. So that's yes. always the motto for me, for loving people, loving life. I'm smiling because... I'm happy in the moment. I'm so full of that. And most times people that I met, they are the people who could change my mood. There's nobody else. I mean, it's so, not my mindset, which is very strong by now. It's not the money in the bank account. It's the people. And it could be one person that really can destroy the whole day. Mm-hmm. Uh, or one incident, you know, because I never met the person in my lifetime that wake up in the morning, going to the Nira, look at themselves and say, today, Today will be my peace day. I'll be so peace. Nobody's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's making up. Said, I'm really I don't know. Day. I think Mark does that sometimes. Sometimes well. he comes in and I, I think he might have been looking in the mirror saying, today, I'm going to be pissed. Uh, <laughs> I don't do that, but I imagine if you did, it could only get better, right? That's right. So, so I want to ask you a question. Just, you know, you're talking about how you how you walk around or how you connect with people or see people. Okay, so, uh, and, and this maybe could be some personal counseling for, for me because I'm one of those people, like, I walk through an airport. I'm not, like, looking at everybody. I'm not connecting with everybody. I'm kind of doing my thing. Or, you know, I'm walking through town or whatever. I'm doing my thing. But you seem to me to be a person who's a magnet, right? You probably attract attention and you attract people probably because of how you are and how you carry yourself. Um, Is that something that is something that you've worked on or is that just your natural personality or what would you give, what advice would you give to people maybe like me that, you know, I I get focused on getting things done and I'm not, I'm not connecting with people as much or thinking about that connection point. It's uh beautiful and difficult question because nobody ever asked me this question i'll be honest with you mark and uh i don't think by the way it's a skill i don't think i uh, you need to learn from this i believe everybody was born with a skill i think the only thing i'm more intentional on my behavior and the, and the intention came from frustration from feeling lonely for feeling in the side now i was not a person in the middle of conversation a networker but i call in nowadays network jerks i was the guy in the side and i thought i'm doing it all wrong and the older I grew, you know, I used to be the chairman of tax lawyers, I realized that the people in the middle are not networkers. They don't give a shit. They're just uh. collecting business cards, and I call them, that's why network jerk. I found out that the important people are always in the side of the room. Because if a CEO of a company comes to a business meeting, they don't want to be in the middle of everything. They don't want to be seen. They want to grab the information and they go. They don't need connection or money. They have it already. So if you stand inside, you meet them. You see, so, uh, and I start separating because I was born um, in a very welcoming family, so much that my grandmother was accused when she died 104 that um, I remember there was a books about my grandmother, but there was, a, if somebody knows in the Bible, there was Abraham, one of the three fathers, used to be a hospitality. So they said, if there was no, this guy in the Bible, they think that he was jealous for my grandmother. Because he was so hospitality, there would be strangers coming to the house eating. We didn't know the door was always open. Now we're not talking; they're not uh, in a place that there's no thieves. I mean, who's leaving the door open? Let people stranger come. And I think that's came in our all our family the giving. So mm-hmm. my struggle was how to be a taker, how to be able to take. Because I give, I give, I give, I give, and get frustrated because people take. Of course, they love to take as much as they want. Right, and you think, right. okay, if I give, I get the golden rule, and you don't get. So how do you get out of it, and how do you make stop for it? And I realized one thing, that if you're a giver, but you don't know how to take, uh, why should other people take from you when you give? 
Mm. So it's the balance of those things uh, during the year and also selecting the people or prioritizing the people in your life, also important. Because at the end of the day, we all know we're not going to have time for all the people you know. So how, who are the people you want to give and make sure they know about it? So much that even I'm a person, if somebody booked for me one hour mentoring and I feel the conversation is so awesome, I'm not going to stop it after 60 minutes. I'll let it flow another few minutes and I will delay the next one because I think it's not fair for the sake of building relationship. And people, I don't care if they feel it or not. I feel it. It's from my own soul. So everything was maybe selfish behavior, but more, I always believe if mindset, my mindset will be strong, everything will be so easy. Um, and nobody teaching me that. So I remember in the, and I worked for law firms, they used to tell you what not good to do. But nobody tell you, hey, you did a good job. And I worked so hard on it. So I said, you know what? And don't tell nobody, I'll share it with you. I used to go to the toilet, close the door, look at myself in the mirror and said, good job, man, good job. And I, <laughs> that's that's awesome. My, my, yeah, and so nowadays when I'm a speaker, do you think I care if the audience like what I say on stage or not? Yes, I do, but I'm not based my success or what if the audience clap the end of standing innovation. First for me, how much did I prepare and I did everything to do? And guess what, when you're doing that, you know, for sure they would love it and they have seven vision, but it's not based on other people's opinion. But when you do that, you'll be miserable. Right. You know, yeah. you right. never know your self-value. You never will be able to ask $1 million for your hour, although you know you are the only person in the world and you're unique. So why don't you ask $1 million for your hour? Ah, because the fears comes, all these things comes to your brain. So mindsets for me, without reading about it and without going to any seminars, I, I would just... Probably from frustration, I knew that I have to work on it very hard. So I think that's where it starts. So I think you have to be intentional, Mark. The question for you, you are doing what I'm doing exactly the same because we are human beings and sell is human behavior. You're just not very aware of it. Your brain watching all the people that you cross in the airport and say, I like, I don't like, I like, I don't like. But nobody taught you how can you go open this peg, what we call peg in the brain or this draw in the brain that you store the information. If I go there and I'll show you, you realize, holy, you're right. It's like, I actually like only ladies with blue eyes and red shoes. <laughs> you know, but you never did it. Nobody ever take the time to do it. Because you see the pattern of behavior, yeah. then it's easier, you see. Here's another thing for you. You go to conference, thousands of people in the room. Will you see thousands of people? Most people not. Probably you see 10, 15 faces. Now, what happened? Now, this is scientifically proved. Actually... And so if I could stop the time and ask you, Mark or Michelle, can you show me who are the 10, 15 people? Most people yeah. cannot do that. Why? Because they push the delete button and I'll start talking to everybody and wasting the time and hoping they meet good people. But here's the, the, the reality. The reality, the brain is your biggest, biggest slave, if you want. Because when you enter the room, there are thousands of people in the room. The brain see all the thousands of people. Compare them to all the people you have in your library and your brain and show you on the silver tray. Here are the 10, 15 people you should talk right now because most probably should have something happen. Friendship, relationship, based on all the people you like in your life. Now, if you do that and, and if you don't have good memory, put a pen and paper, say, okay, this lady with a red scarf, this man with a, with a blue tie, whatever, and go to them. You'll see magic happen. You say, oh my God. It's like, you know, them for 20 years, you just met them. Wow. So we're ignoring a lot of powers we have within us we all born with the same skills. I don't think I teach anything unique. I just practice it a lot. And I think I'm aware of it. And it sounds like magic. Like people think I'm reading people. I don't read anybody. It's just that, again, I'm just pulling the right draw and it's in yep. the draw. That's so you said, said a, a very important word as you were saying all that, which is intentional, right? You're being very intentional yes. about what you're doing Absolutely. because we have the, the um, uh, predisposition to just classify quickly uh, to try to cut down uh, on, on the work our brain needs to do, right? Yeah. And so uh, being intentional about it, I want to connect with people. And there are three so sorts wanna... of people. You see that people you know you want to connect. Yeah. That people you don't want to connect, negative out of it. And there's always example. I like to scare myself. Sometimes I think somebody looks horrible. And I think not and see what happens. And if, it, if it's in horrible, great. My, my system works. If it doesn't, that's correct. And, I, and by the way, everything I teach, I'm speaking about today, I stole from somebody else. This is my example. <laughs> this is how you go to Israel and you be screened. If you go to Israel ever, that's the way you screen. There'll be good people, welcome. There'll be bad people who never come to the airport, be isolated in the highway with a helicopter, and it will be the example. 
that take people and perform them everything like the terrorists to show that the system works. So that's that's how I just did the same thing with the relationship. Works perfectly good. And then you know what? The system works. So I want to ask you about something. You mentioned that most, and people are, so many people are comfortable with giving and they're not as comfortable with taking, or I'll even say another way, asking. So I, I know many people that have so much goodwill that they built up and they don't know how to, or really make that, that shift over to asking. Um, I sat next to people where a CEO has asked another CEO, what can I do for you? You've done so much for me. And the answer is nothing. Just, you know, keep, keep being my friend or whatever the case may be. How do you get people to shift their mindset into being comfortable with asking? It's again, a wonderful question because, you know, it's exactly the problem that I think we as society destroy our own brains. I tried it once in mm. a conference, actually a conference of lawyers, you know, they're all going to get referrals. So you know what? I'll come there one day with few clients and ask who wants clients. Who do you think look weirdo? Them or me? Everybody thinks I'm a weirdo. What? Client? What? Do you... But they're all coming to get clients, but when you come with clients, it's look weird to them. Why? Because nobody gives them. They all come to get, not to give. Somebody uh-huh. comes to give. That's exactly, exactly. By the way, this is my book. That's exactly where you stand up. If you will be the giver, and everybody come to take, yeah, maybe people thinking you're weirdo, but if you do it again and again and again, now you're authentic. Now it's you. And you stand up very quickly because everybody nowadays, not only everybody, everything coming up is to grab something from us. I own marketing based on getting attention. Oh, marketing, did you, how do I grab attention of the audience? I said, no, 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 no. Build relationship by giving attention. If you give attention, everybody wants from that. If you get attention, everybody's scared of that. You know, we don't want, you know, where all this commercial, all the things, all the, all the stuff is exercise for your audience. If they ignore my voice or your, our voice now, yeah. and listen to other sounds in the room they have around. Maybe they have a car passing by. Maybe the children are playing. Maybe the fridge, they're making some noises. Maybe the airco, right? All those things yeah. are there all the time. So it was a tricky question, right? Because I shifted their attention from my voice all these sounds. So you see why in English you say you pay attention. It's a monetary verb. It's stronger than anything else you could do. We are in attention economy. If you know how to pay with it, you do magic. Because you give people the biggest gift. You give them your time, your biggest commodity. So you better choose who you want to give it to. And if you don't choose, you're going to waste it on the wrong people. And there's no way to get it back. That's how important it is. This kind of leads into the heart of your best-selling book, The Attention Switch. So let's talk about why, what drove you to wrote that, write that book? And what would you say would be like, you know, the biggest takeaway from that book for anyone reading it? And by the way, I, I did read it. You gifted me that book, by the way. I took it because you gave it to me. And, uh, and it has really wonderful principles. Thank you for that. I mean, so again, this kind of frustration, frustration in my own house and the traveling that I did, that I saw people, husband and wife sitting in breakfast in a hotel. They don't talk to each other. They're both in the phone on the iPad. Mm. At home, we're sitting in dinner and I see my daughter's in the iPad. I'm on the iPhone. My wife, nobody talked to each other. I thought that's crazy. And I was started out of a joke. I thought, you know, imagine our grand-grandchildren, when you ask them to go outside to talk to the neighbor, they don't know what to do, how to do that. What do you mean to talk? What is that thing? You know, and I thought it was crazy. We was before Corona, of course, and before the, oh. uh, to be disconnected to people. And that was my biggest fear because I thought it's, it's not a skill. It's a must for human behavior. We are social behavior. is for survival. It's nothing to do with business. And I realized that everybody else teaching a networking, building relationship in the wrong way. They tell you, go network when you need clients. No, <laughs> you don't go to network when you're, when you're desperate. Nobody wants to talk to desperate people. You network when you're busy. You know, we have so much work, go network. Uh-huh. Wow. So everything the opposite would teach you. So, so all the people mm-hmm. teaching doesn't even know how to network. You know, they tell you, be in the center. I said, absolutely not. You know, so all the things against, and I said, you know, my industry is industry, profession says, you know, all based on that. You know, mouth, and, uh, mouth and ear, all these advertising referrals. They're not allowed to put commercial. You know, all marketing based on. Um, so it was frustrating. And I said, okay, I need to find the principle. And then what I found out interesting, there is so much material about that attention is actually a muscle. 
muscle of the brain. Mm. And there's a lot of science, psychology. I mean, they talk about, about a lot about it when you talk about ADAD, you know, the attention deficit that children were sick. They never looked at attention as a positive attitude, as a negative, yet they're demanding too much attention, um, so much that they compare attention to a, um, to a bucket of water that is a limitation. I said, there's no limitation of attention. You have enough attention you can give. The problem is the time. But if you have unlimited time, you have unlimited attention you can give. You decide what you want to go, you want to give it to. So I start building my own thinking around it. And I discovered that, and I start practicing it. And I know mm-hmm. that, that's why yeah. I'm good at. I, as, a, as more, in, I'm not introvert, I'm ambivert, like most of us, but I have more introverted part of my personality. It fixed very well because I didn't have to talk. I didn't have to say anything <laughs> about me. I hated elevator pitch. I just ask questions and people tell the stories. And then what? And then tell the story. And then after that, then tell the story. And only I capture it and they will thank me. And I said, I didn't say a word. And they thank me. So it was so easy for me to start building relationship based on that. And that's why I started creating my own world of attention giving. I found the Microsoft research from 2015. Uh, we showed that in 2000, the average attention span of a human being was only 12 seconds. And it yeah. went down to, in 2013 to eight seconds, which is now in 2022. I don't know what happened now, but but the scary thing, it was one second less as, you know, like a goldfish. I don't know how a goldfish can give nine second attention span. <laughs> how do they the, know that? Yeah, so that's the, that's the news. Here you go. So that's all those things build it up. And I build my own methodology and I teach it. And, and people loving it because it's easier than start to learning or memorizing thing and talking about yourself, which is always hard for all of us. Because yeah. then you don't need to sell yourself. I think Mark is the one we talked about it uh, a while ago, but it's nobody likes to buy, but every, nobody likes to be sold, but everybody loves to buy. They don't need to convince nobody, mm-hmm. you need to sell nobody, but they are, they want to mm-hmm. buy from you just because you're going to give them attention again. So it's right. like all excuses in the world to see you again, to be around you again, to be part, to buy the product from you and not nobody else just because of that. So I'm so. So I'm picking up a, a great pattern here, which you've called out already, which is opposites, right? So to build relationships, you give attention, you don't seek attention. You network when you're busy, not when you need work. Um, you ask questions, you don't say, you don't talk, you ask questions. And then you go to the outside of the room at the conference, not the middle of the room. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and if you look at it, it's, it's the opposite of normal behavior of human being. Because people who go to conferences, what do they buy? If you have money, you buy VIP. 20% of every audience buy VIP. 20% of VIP buy even diamond or platinum, whatever it's called. But you think from a perspective of business, it's an idiotic thing. What do you think if you sit there and find what will happen? The gold will fall from the sky. I mean, you know, <laughs> you're a speaker. You know, as a speaker, right? If we are yeah. going to listen to another speaker on stage, when we are an event speaker, well, we're going to come from the front or from the back of the room? We're going to stick from the back of the room. Yeah. So if you want to meet the most important people, they're not going to be in the front. They'll be in the back of the room. You know, uh, <laughs> He's right. So this is it's so many things. So it's, it's, I'm talking about it for years, and that's the way I did yeah. it. You know, that's why I built relationship. And sometimes I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. I remember meeting a lady. She was CEO of oil and gas company from Ukraine, by coincidence. Side of the meeting room, and everybody else said it cannot be. I remember even talking to myself, it cannot be. I met her, and everybody looking to meet these people, and I meet them like, you know, I went to a toilet in India in the conference, and and I saw TV in front of me. So I said it loudly. I wish I knew that, then I can drink a bit more. At least I can watch the news. <laughs> so the guy next to me started laughing hysterically, and the end is the CEO of Infosystem, one of the biggest IT companies in India. <laughs> I mean, I never looked for those things, but again, exactly what I said, I was intentional. So my yeah. brain was alert. I mean, the moment I went outside, info system, of course, I built relationship, but I never went after him because he was who he is. You know, and that's why people don't understand. If successful people are very approachable people, mm-hmm. the mistake people make, they're running after people, they think they are successful, but those people are small people who guard themselves with guard that you think they are big. Successful people are very approachable people. Mm-hmm. But they don't want your money. They don't need your connection. The only thing they want is where they give you advice, they see that you implement it, you put it in your business, and you report to them back. How was it? Successful, not successful? What can you do more? 
So I call it, by the way, the golden circle in, in the relationship. If you want to meet somebody very mm -hmm. known, very known, go somewhere, when they speak on stage, listen, listen to one of the advice they give, something that fits with your business, and commit to improvement and run before they leave the stage and say, sir, 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 I want to talk to you. Yes? And can I ask you, lady, um, where can I reach you? Because I saw you saying that, that on stage, I would love to implement to my business, but I want to report to you back if it's successful or not. And I will tell you, give you an email or a phone or the assistant, they give you a way to report back. And the only thing you have to do is do it and report back. And the moment you did it, you'll be the only one in the world. And here's the spark of relationship. And you can meet the most important people. <laughs> well, it's, but it's different. That's unique. Because uh, what I want to do is I want to, um, it, it's an interesting segue over to sales. I want to tie this back to people in sales, which I would argue that, in the legal profession, everyone that you serve, business people, um, those that own business, we're all selling, right, at the end of the day. So how do you effectively, and you've already done some of, of this, but I want to discuss, you know, there's a tension, and some people will associate that with dinner and golf and events. And then there's actually, though, taking a relationship and turning it into true referrals, results, revenue for the business. You talk about that very specifically in your book and in your, your global speaking. And I'd like to make that connection for people because I'll, I'll give you an example. It's like sure. I'm consulting with a, a national financial services company right now. And as part of their incentive plan, they, they have in there the number of dinners and the number of conferences and events that they're attending. And, and that would include like golf, but they actually have a targeted number and not results. And I thought, and I said, why is that in there? Like, why is the dinner important? What is it that we expect to have happen there? You know, I, I think that we get a little confused, but I'd like to hear your perspective and how we tie all that together. I love it because, you know, that first I will say that I have expression. I would say people bond when they're having fun. Yeah. So if you're asking me, where do I start networking? It's not when I sit in the seminar next to somebody because it all looks nice people. And they go in the evening and they start behaving like they will behave with friends. They drink, they talk about everything. I work. So here you get the secret from me. I work because I hardly drink. I call yeah. zero. I was alert and I know exactly who they are. So I, I always laugh at people. If I want to make a lot of money, I publish some pictures, I become a billionaire. But, <laughs> conversation. but I always alert. So people bond when they're having fun because that's where the things comes out. But what he said is true. But it's not true because, by the way, I don't know how to play golf. That's when I invited golf, I was avoiding it. So it's very good for network, maybe, but I never needed it. It's just that there are opportunities that people are letting the guard off. Mm -hmm. And that's a great opportunity to have to score authentic conversation. So you cannot come as a wolf and pretend you're a lamb. But if you're a lamb, that's a great place to be. But you know why they never get results? Because 98% of people not failing on building this initial relationship and dinner and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. It's a follow-up. 98% of people failing and follow-up. And the reason for it is a tell you very simple. It is how the human brain works. If you ever did the David Allen um, uh, quadrado of productivity, the, all those things, including losing weight, by the way, falling on a cube called important, but not urgent. You know, you have urgent, not mm -hmm. urgent, important, not important. All those things are important, but not urgent. And important, not urgent, then it's always long-term. And the brain love to defer it. That's it. Huh. So you, we have to be intentional about it. There are different ways of doing solution. For example, I'm teaching two ways. One is uh, associating it. So there are habits we already have in our life. Like, you know, we drink coffee every morning, we're opening the computer, you, I don't know what, brushing your teeth. So whatever you do, so if you associated the building relationship next to something you already done, in very short term, it will turn into a habit as well. So it's, that's one way. The other way is just scheduling. You put it in an agenda and nobody ever can uh, delete it. There are applications that even your assistant yourself, nobody can delete it in your agenda, which means you are consistently obliged to do it. But so follow-up is one of the things. But follow-up, the reason is not this, the solution is, and again, I discovered years ago, is a lot of people have the wrong mindset. And I'll give you an example and you mm. get it very fast. I mean, imagine you have a pill and this pill can cure 100% guarantee another person is very sick. 
and you're a good person, how many times will you call the other person to take your pill? How many times? Mm, how many you times? Never stop. Right. You'll never stop. If you're a good person, you call them all the time, every time. You're never going to feel nudgy, pushy, salesy. Right. I, mean, I want to help this person to still alive, right? right? And the only thing could happen, maybe the other person said, no, stop calling me. I want to die. I don't want to kill. I mean, some people right. even continue calling after that as well. <laughs> so here you go. A lot of people don't believe that their services is like this pill. Mm. And that's why they feel nudgy and salesy and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. oh, maybe I wait two weeks. There's no two weeks or one. You call every day. But if you call every day, hey, what about a proposal? Well, that's nudgy. That's pushy. If you call every day and every single moment you give value to the person you're talking to, they'll open it every day. They're never going to stop. And that's the problem. The follow-up is the value creation. And value creation is a hard, hard work. It doesn't cost money, but it's a hard work. could be zero money, but it's a hard work. And most people are not willing to put the time on it. And that's why it's easy to stand out of the crowd. I'm standing every Friday for the last 25 years, every single Friday, five postcards and written postcards. Yep. Every single Friday. And you know me, I'm traveling before going to like yeah. around the world. I don't care where I am, how late it is, how lazy I am. I will send them. And I know what will happen because we will get, oh, it's extending postcards from Japan. Wow. He thought about me. Wow. It's a seed in the ground. And again, and that's keep it top of mind. I don't know what will happen with it, but I'm old enough to understand something will come out of it. Friendship, business, opportunities, referral, whatever I want, old spin of you. But I do it for one sec only. I think that that's actually the motto. You build relationship for the sake. You know, what's the reason to build it? Why we build relationship for? You know the one reason you build relationship for? What Why do you build relationships, Mark? Well, um, I, I think it's for um, <clears throat> it's for connection. It's for um, uh, to be able to um, um, you know give that person something or, or, or receive something for myself. Uh, but it's but I don't build relationship necessarily to sell something. I, I, I build relationship. I think for connection. Exactly. Yeah. We build relationship for building relationship. Everything right. else is that's it. You're going to get sales and friendship and people will buy for you because they want to buy from them because you need to sell from them. Yep. You know, you know it for all the companies. That's Everybody knows it's surprising. You go to Starbucks, right? Imagine you buy coffee there. Most people buy $5 coffee. That's the end of it. Now, in the store of Starbucks, there's nobody, salesperson coming there or voice, oh, you need to buy more. Or let's spend your money. No. <laughs> Some of you falling in love with the Starbucks and you said, you know what? I'll, I'll buy a souvenir or I'll buy a coffee bean to take home. So right. you decided to buy. Nobody convinced you. And some of you even fall in love even more and buy a coffee machine for $6,000. This is what yep. you get value later. Go uh, another come Disney. You're watching a movie with your children. Oh, they love it. Now they make a headache for you. They want to go to Disneyland. So you spend much more money, a few thousand dollars, and go to Disneyland and spend more money there. And even some of you fall in love even more and buy a condominium Disneyland Resort or go to Disneyland Cruises. None of this company ever came to convince mm. us. Now, a lot of the businesses that I know, again, back to my industry, professionals, what did they offer the client? They offer the client the highest level, consultancy, right? But that's crazy. It's like dating a lady and ask her to do the marriage after the first day. <laughs> to the cinema, let's have a coffee. Where's the value letter? See, and a lot of businesses missing that. And that's why when you offer a lady to get married, you should feel guilty. You should feel nudgy and pushy and salesy. It's stupid. Right. Why should somebody say yes to you? If somebody yes to you, is crazy. They're probably not the right person. And you end up many times with the wrong clients. But if you take them out, they do it slowly. Guess what? They're falling in love with you. And then in that stage, nobody can take them away from you. Can you take your clients and introduce to all your competitors? See, you're thinking. Yeah. Yeah, because there, there's a difference. Yeah, there's a difference. Yeah. yeah. So I believe you don't have relationship or not deeper enough to be so confident to take them. Like for the first. And think about it a second, because that's a power relationship. If you have a relationship, I have no problem to introduce all my clients to all my competitors. And you yep. know what? I can tell you more than that. If competitors pick up the phone and try on my client, what do you think will call me? Client said, you know, this idiot calling me, trying to pitch on me. They will tell me. I don't have to look for that. <laughs> so, so I want to, I want to just bring up, I, I don't know. I want to, I don't want to break your train of thought, oh, good. 
I was just going to make an example here. And uh, I paused for a moment because I'm thinking about a couple of different relationships. So I've got a relationship with um, a president of a global staffing firm. It's it's one of the largest across the world. And I've got a, a great relationship with this person, this woman. And I would not be concerned at all about putting her in front of my competitors. But to your point, we have this mutually beneficial relationship that if consulting comes out of it and they need our services, that's great. But I'm looking at them for, um, you know, I'm always trying to provide to them value to provide to their clients. Like we're, we're doing a podcast, in fact, this one, and we'll give it to their salespeople to provide to their clients, just getting the word out on something that's very relevant today on turning relationships into revenue and results, right? And referrals. And so we refer each other and I'll get collateral from them that they've created and and, uh, promote that as well, including, you know, gosh, even meeting her for coffee and having a conversation about just what's going on. Um, And I've got another client like that. And yet others that I think about, I haven't touched or continued to build that relationship with. There's the ones that I'm going and kind of have an open mouth saying, mm. wow. So I, I hear what you're saying. And, and exactly. If you had everybody like this lady, your life would be much more easier. Yeah. So you, see, you, made, you made a beautiful bridge, which is danger bridge from building relationship and the sales. I mean, mm. I always say in the public as well, lost clients are not lost relationships. Yeah. Many people are forgetting it, but you invest so much to pitching on this client. They get at the end, they decided not to hire services. Will you keep in touch or not? Most people don't. That's a mistake because, mm. you know, some people have difficulties because their boss doesn't want to hire you and they like you, but they are somebody else. And then they move three months later to another company and then they pick up the phone because you kept in relationship mm-hmm. in touch. They say, you know, right. I couldn't hire you there because this guy couldn't, but now I'm in a position to hire and I would like to have your services. But if you didn't keep in touch, you lost an opportunity. Right. So all those things show the difference between sales or hard sales or core sales than building relationship. If you build relationship, your pipeline will never be empty. Never, mm. ever, ever. Why? Because everybody has a different point of time and they need your services. They're not going to come at the same time. So if you build the relationship consistently, you're going to get it. And, and yeah. I don't want people to feel like I'm talking about investing a lot of time. No. It's sometimes a split of a second. I mean, I used to send people a little, uh, what we call pinging, you know, networking, just a little message. I would say hug because, you know, I survived because you know my story. And people, I know, yeah. they knew it's me. I know they had a smile on their face when they saw it. And that's it. I put myself again top of mind. That's as simple as it sounds. How, how long does it take? And people so don't none. do efforts. It's putting the efforts. And I think a lot of people who know that know I'm talking right. And how do I know yeah. again? Go to Corona time. Everybody yeah. who listening to us have thousands of thousands of connections, right? Right. How many people called you in Corona time and asked you, how are you doing? Are you okay? You guys are healthy, safe? How many people? Thousands? No. Most of you probably can count on the two hands. Right. Yeah, we were, we, were, we were talking to them, though. We were talking to them, which is, is kind of interesting. You know, our, our theme during um, uh, COVID-19 was, was stop selling and start helping. And you know, we basically reached out and said, what can we do to help you? You don't have to pay us anything, even though being paid was a really important thing, but we knew it was a time where, you know, we need to connect. So, yeah. so I want to danger zone, Mark, because I warned a lot of people who are start building relationship during Corona because they're at home, whatever. I said, I love it. I love you to do that. But remember one thing, when we go back after the Corona period, to kind of the new normal, and you're not consistently continue doing it, it will be even worse than even before because the client has said, aha, right. there's an interest-driven person. So before, you never kept in touch, you never built a relationship, then, oh, that's what you are. But now you start building a relationship, okay, let's give him a chance. Let's give her a chance. But when you're not consistently continue doing it, mm-hmm. you're in a worse scenario because now right. you're interested. You did it just because you needed it. Now you don't need it because you're busy again. So, so a few minutes ago, you asked, why do you have a relationship or why do you build a relationship, Right. And, and we said, you know, we build relationship because we want to have connection. We want to have relationship. But when you're trying to develop business, you're not necessarily building relationship because you want to build a relationship. You're building relationship because you want to be able to grow your business or you basically want to be able to sell more. 
So how do you, how do you bridge that uh, in terms of, you know, I want to build relationship with somebody, but really the objective is so I can grow my business there. And, and then I can't really find any commonality upon which to build that relationship. So it seems like I'm kind of doing it, maybe not for the reasons that we talked about before. So I, I, I allow me to disagree, but I think you're right in the sense that if you allow me to go from the end, the end is the problem is the industry. The industry gives you tools and solutions that promote a different behavior because you're measured how many clients you close, not how many relationships you build. You get paid by how many clients you close. All the systems that CRM system yeah. build on sales, not the end. There's an end for it. There's a process, beginning, whatever you call it, prospect, whatever, suspect, prospect, then client or not a client or lost client, and then it's the end. But as you heard me saying, lost client and not lost relationship, where you keep them. So I also just warn you to every sales person to have beside this mechanism of converting sales, have another little system for their own personal CRM when you keep in touch with all your relationships. Because that's supposed to be differently. I mean, sales is not a hard... I mean, sell people told me. I used to, as a lawyer, said, oh, I hate sales, I hate sales. But actually, one sales person said, it's like, you're the best sales person. Your relationship is the highest level. You don't yeah. need to sell the buying you because you have a relationship. And he was right. He also told me, the same person told me, hey, did you ever ask your wife that you want something for dinner? And you convinced her? I said, yeah, sure. So you just sold her. You're a sales person. So he was right. <laughs> but... But I just, and that's why I did, by the way, last year, the Global Sales Summit to give the my industry to teach everybody selling. But how do you sell? Out of authenticity, out of helping. It's sort of a different scenario and pushing thing on people that don't need. You know, and I, I mean, right. all people, by the way, if you build relationship, Mark, it's so easy. Because if you have now a law firm, tomorrow you're opening a tomato shop, the next week a pizza shop, and then you sell computer, who do you think the first people who are willing to pay full price well, the first be in line to sell are your, are your relationship. Your relationships. And that's yeah. the power of it. You build once and serve you forever. Well, if you in sell, it's a hard work. Here's an example for you. If anybody listening to us, and let's assume I knew all the clients they need. Mm-hmm. I bring them for a football stadium and I fill it with all those potential clients. And I give them a microphone to the sell person. Hey, tell, them, tell them, what can you do? Great. But here's the reality. Only 60 to 70% of the people in this stadium need your services, not now, in the coming three to five years. Out of them, only 20 to 30% are aware of that need. The rest not even aware they will need your services in the coming three to five years. And out of them, only 2 to 5% need your services now. So if you're the greatest salesperson on earth, your maximum you can to get is this 5%. And that's why it's hard work. Every year you have to come in front of all those people again, 5%. But if you're a relationship-driven person, I want you to mm. talk to the 60, 70% of the people. And when you do that and you do it well and you plant the seed well, you'll be top of mind and then your pipeline will be full for the coming three to five years. And it's a much easier work, much more joyful. One of the things that I'm hearing you say is as you look at building a relationship, it doesn't, you know, let's say you make a connection. Okay. So a thousand people came to hear you speak and you reached out to them with very, very little response back. But what I'm hearing you say is keep reaching out, just keep some sort of soft connection. Don't really give that up. You're not selling, but you're connecting. And by the way, like I didn't get a postcard from Japan, nor did I get a hug. So I'm expecting these from you as we move ahead with our relationship in the future. <laughs> so now you're diving into the art of follow-up, which is, you know, it's an yes. art. And, and this one I stole from Jack Walsh, you know, the CEO of GE, when we spoke one on stage and he taught me the methodology of being candid, very brutally yes. honest. Yeah. And he used to use A, B, and C. And that's the way I use it in follow-up, A, B, and C. Okay. A, where people most probably, by the way, the group of 10, 15 people, most probably are the most important people now in my life. I need to really put all the tailor-made efforts of, of building relationship with them. I do everything hey. to scan, to see what they need to help. Then you have the C. These are the mass destruction people, you know, and whatever you get a newsletter, a Christmas card, or whatever. So these are automated, easy to do. Keep them there. And then there's the B. And the B are the people who should be A or C. You need to decide very fast, A or C. And those oh, people okay. need to invest a smaller group as well. It's about 
30, maybe 50 people, no more than that. Mm -hmm. so it's not thousands of people. So when I speak on stage, for example, even if there are a thousand people in the audience, I made a selection already then. I could see who they are. I could see who was resonant. They would come after probably to talk to me. I could see them smiling. I could see. I could see the one who doubted me. If you see me ever on stage, I always jump to the audience. The cameraman always hates me because they have to follow me and they never expected that this speaker go out of stage. But I always go to the audience because I'm looking for these eyes of people who are thinking in the mind, ah, bullshit, ah, it doesn't work. <laughs> I can see it. I will go close to them and I will hold them because I want them to feel authenticity. Yes. I want them to be convinced by my word. I want to see that I'm real. I'm talking out of experience. I'm not a guy who's just talking from the mountain. I'm like you, exactly like you. And it's very easy to convert people to see. And then in that moment, I make the decision. Now, years ago, when I had a law firm, I used to go uh, and make people giving them a number. So if my mother was a 10 for me, I love that she's the best relationship. I want everybody to be like that. What number I give this person? Because, you know, this emotion you feel mm. when you meet people, your little voice talking to you. And they are not capturing any CRM system and any cell system. It's right. things you had in the moment. You have to capture those moments. I used to capture the number. With seven, eight, and nine, and ten, what is it? And I, beginning, I used to follow with everybody, but later on, I just follow only with the nine and ten. Mm. And I ignore mm. the rest. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I will make some mistakes for sure, but most probably not the rest of them. So, I don't want to make my life miserable. The prioritization of the relationship, the first part of building relationship, is the most important part. It's not organizing your relationship. Most people mm. organize your relationship, it's a waste of time. Don't put a client, prospect, relationship, family, that's, that's a waste of time. Right. Prioritize them. Who are the hot clients? Who are the, the cold clients? Who are the prospects? That's what you're focusing on. When you prioritize, then you know you need to follow up. Then you do the follow up. And then the rest is performance, checking balances, see what you're doing good. And what we call ROR, ROR, return on relationships. And when you know your return relationship, you'll be standing up clear in front of your CEO and say, okay, yes, I brought... 200 relationships that will bring you in the coming year, maybe three clients. When you come in 10 years, you're going to get 300 clients. Will mm. you pay me a commission even if I leave the company because I brought you a relationship today that's worth 100 million in two years from now? So, um, and I think that's the name of the game. Unfortunately, as a lawyer and accountant, relationship capital does not count in the balance sheet of the company. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I like many, many companies. Part. Most companies are like that, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah. So I wanted to, I wanted to shift uh, to our, our, our final area, Itzik, which is sure. something that um, I think everybody wants to learn about, which is creating personal brand, right? And we talk I about, this you know, how do you, how do you tell it. your brand story? Yeah. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time with people about, you know, it's not about introducing your resume or your list of experiences, <laughs> but it's about who you are and, and why you do what you do and what drives you in your path. But how do you think about creating personal brand? And then how does that play into building relationship and, and you know, communicating who you are? Awesome. Uh, I mean, you know that I love this subject, teaching it, but maybe a few uh, clarification. First, to those who are listening, personal brand is not saved only to celebrity. That's why I teach how to build your authority. Because, you know, there's, um, mm -hmm. if I said the name Anton Corbijn, I'm not sure if any of our audience listeners know who is this person. If I say Madonna, you probably know, because she's a celebrity. Mm -hmm. Anton Corbijn is an example for an authority. He said once, I'm not famous, I'm just known for the right people. Anton wow. Corbijn is number one photographer in the world for a rock and roll band. Nirvana, Red Hot Chili Peppers, mm. U2. They'll pay millions of dollars that this photographer will take the photos. Now, why you don't know them? Why are the audience don't know Because you're not in the rock and roll band. You should right. not know them. That's authority. Authority is a person or a brand is based on who, the, which field, and which audience knows about you. That's it. The rest should not know about you. And there's, of course, very simple three steps to take them. But let me go back and say that if I ask the audience on you, uh, by the way, do you have now a personal brand? Michelle, Mark? Mm -hmm. Do you have now? Do you have now, Mark, Michelle, personal brand? Do I have a personal brand? Uh, I mean, I believe. Probably they, to myself, yeah. The answer is yes, <laughs> but uh, we're actually building on a personal brand. Yeah, I do, but um, let, so let's. Let, let me give you an answer. The personal yeah, brand issue. Let's just say it, it's through you know, what I believe it is today, but you give me the answer. Go ahead. Yes, one of the biggest <laughs> things is I was asked why personal brand is overlooked mm -hmm. and underestimated for so long. And there's two reasons for it. One, 
Because think about people that you know when you meet them. Let's say they move from another big company and start their own company. And ask them, where you work now? What are they going to say? Oh, I was 20 years the CEO of that company. Yes. What did they just do? They just branded the other company again. Yeah. So instead of focusing on your own brand, you're always branding somebody else. So that's one thing. The second thing is 70% of adults don't know what their personal brand. So listen carefully to all of you listening to me now. You want it or you don't want it. You have now a personal brand. Steve Jobs once said, personal brand is what people say behind you when you leave the room. Mm, right. People say behind the thing when you leave the room if you want it or not. Now, if they say thing you want it to say, awesome, great, celebrate. But if they're not, you have to go correct it because it's like cement. It's going to dry. And if it sticks in people's mind, it's very hard to change. So personal yeah. brand, if you want it or not, you need to work on it right now. And the different the three levels is character. Character is things, you know, you got from home, education, religion, culture. It's harder to change. Around them, this is the personal brand that people see of you. They don't tell nobody because they watch your LinkedIn profile. They say, oh, idiot, I don't want to hire them. They're not going to call you and say, that ah, you idiot, that's why I don't hire you. You will not even know that. <laughs> and then you have the personal reputation around that. Personal reputation is things that they may think and say to you. And that's why you have personal reputation company that, you know, management reputation company will bury your bad reputation to show the. That's why I say to people, if you want to know people's reputation, don't check page number one in Google, check, check page number 26. But they don't want you to find, right? But, um, but personal branding is something so unique because it is in your own hand to shape. And, and so if you agree about it, there's three steps. Step number one, I call it discover. Step number two is define. And third, number three is design. And the hardest from all of them is the first one, discover. And discover what? Discover your distant point of view. Or if I give an uh. example, maybe people will understand what it is. So, for example, I love cheesecake. So let's assume you also love cheesecake. So let's go to the same supermarket. We'll buy the same ingredients. We go to my house. We put the cake in the same oven. Do you agree that the cake will, change, it will taste differently? Probably then yes. if I make it, yeah, 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 of course. yeah. exactly. Because I'm a better baker. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> but my grandmother used to say it's the test of the hand. You see, right. that's a distant point of view. That makes you unique and there's nobody like you. So what is it wow. that distant yeah. point of view? And the problem lie down there that too many people linked it to the business, not necessarily. Yeah. Maybe right. you're the best opera singer. Maybe you're the best salsa dancer. Maybe you're the best cheesecake maker, mm -hmm. whatever it is. But if that would be part of a personal brand and you, I don't know what, sell computers. So guess what? People who love cheesecake and want computer will come to you. Not going to come to the other person who can sell the same computer, but hate cheesecake, love chocolate cake. <clears throat> yeah. So you don't have to stand up with your business. You stand up with your distant point of view. And that's very hard to a lot of people. God said to a lawyer, mm -hmm. yeah, you have to talk about salsa all day. Long. I mean, you're crazy. I'm a lawyer. You know? Yeah. And, 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 and I see that happen a lot where people, you have to, you have to become vulnerable to get your personal brand out. So it's not about just listing, like you said, the company or, or what you do as a job, but it's who you are as a person. And, and I think you have to get to a certain point where, you're, you're comfortable with being exposed and, 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 and you can do that and you feel like you're not going to be, you know, rejected. I mean, so, so for me, just, you know, real quick, um, I think of my skull, myself as the, the art school MBA because I could never get a job coming out of business school because I was the art guy. I was a designer for years in New York, then went to business school and couldn't get a job, right? So back then I couldn't talk about it because that was a vulnerability area because I couldn't get a job. But then years later, it became a strength because it was the way I thought and the way I solved problems that was different than other people exactly. that really became a strength. Yeah. But it took a long time for that to happen. I couldn't do it in the early days. So that, that cheesecake had to bake for a while in order for it to be you know, <laughs> actually good. But let me ask you then a question. Maybe I'll interview you now. But what, what do you think took you so long? Because you knew that. What took you so long? Well, I, I, well, let's go back to your steps. I had to discover it because I didn't know. I was, I was the guy just trying to get a job in, in the business world. I wanted to get a marketing job and then I went into consulting. And, and so I had to discover along the way. And then I had to be the consultant and be the kind of the analytical business person. And, and then I learned it later on. I, I could look back in retrospect and see that. I can tell you one thing that is very interesting to see, interesting for your experience, that a lot of time, our 
distant point of view is your what we're going to call your gift. The thing that's so easy for you to do because you don't even think about it twice. And that's why we take it for granted because it's in front of our nose and that's why it's so hard to find it. You know, but I believe everybody knows that, that we were born with that, but we take time to discover that's what it is. And sometimes it's so... Uh, by the way, if you want, I could share also the audience a free gift, a, a book, workbook, who could find a distant point of view. Because it's a lot of hard questions with yourself, so they can use it and download and answer themselves the questions. But really to an hour, I yourself an answer. It is very hard because it's really giving time for yourself. But I wanted to think from a different perspective. I believe it's not up to you. I believe that if you have a gift and you don't shine and share it with the world, you're a selfish human being. So it's not about mm. you. It's about the fact that if you're born with something, that this thing can help other people if you don't shine. So that's what personal about. It's not being snobbish and celebrity. It's about shining out with your skills. And I don't understand why people are shying off of it. And I was laughing, you know, great that you're an amazing human being, but you are the best kept secret of Georgia. Nobody knows about you, so what do I care? You know, everybody should know about you. And it's not being a snobbish and celebrity and not calling yourself influencer and all that bullshit words is really shining with your goodness and authenticity. And I think it's very hard, but you said it's so true for all of us, for me as well, 20-something it took me to be me. And still I don't think I'm 100% me because there's a lot of things that come in our mind from society and behavior and people reflection that closing us. It's, but well, we've looked at a child, child doesn't care. They know what they are, they tell what they are, they scream yeah. what they are. And, you know, and that's exactly the problem we have. So, I mean, and the finding your genius zone, when you're so good at, as simple as we have joy. And when you have it, you're only going to attract people who loving it as well. And the rest will go away from you by themselves. So you don't have to select. You don't have to uh, do all kind of... Every person you attract yourself bad relationship will be the right relationship. You know, because they resonate with you. There's no secret agenda. You'll feel joy. It's almost... You, everybody has this experience, you know, this experience, you met somebody, you met for an hour, and you felt like you know this person for 20 years. Right. Everybody had this experience. How come? Yeah. Because you were so authentic, you're not pitching, you're not salesy. Trust appear in a second. You don't need 20 years for that. Yep. It's yep. all these same human skills we all have. We're not using enough. So, so I love the point you made about if you have a special gift and you're not sharing it with others, then you're a selfish person. So this, this has been like a lesson in, in opposites, which I think is just really yeah. revealing. Yeah, that is interesting. Oh, okay. Lesson so we start with this. <laughs> no. So we start with a discovery process. And you, you mentioned two other points. So discovery, I do believe is, is the most difficult for me. It's a lifelong thing because I, I go back and revisit it. I become very introspective about it. And I've, I've talked to our team here about that, that it's not about what company or industry you served or how long you worked at a particular company, but it's getting a bit more introspective. And what are your gifts? What is it that you offer to the world? Um, take us, if, if you don't mind, quickly through define and the design phase. Sure. Maybe one thing you see, you mentioned a very important point. Personal branding is not equal experience. Yes. I can take a student from university and make him number one in the world. So those are people who think, oh, I'm experienced. People come to me. Experience doesn't count for personal branding. If you have it, it's great. If you don't have it, you don't need it. So that's something very important. Because if I get the students to connect to all the most important people who know everything about oil and gas, so who's the authority? The students who know all the people who know everything about oil and gas or one person who know one part about oil and gas. So if right. people want to know anything about oil and gas, it's easier to talk to the students because you know all these people than to try to find themselves, each one of them separately. So you don't need to have the experience and knowledge yourself as long as you are the curator of those experiences and you put on it your own little touch, whatever it is. So, um, but the other one, define design is what I said, because in order to have... Um, um, personal brand, you need to know for who and what field. So the defined process is finding the right, who are the right people, right audience for your distant point of view. Yep. But the fact that you found that you're a great uh, lifeguard, but you build a company in Sahara Desert, it didn't help nobody, right? So, uh, <laughs> exactly. So it has to be in the right audience. So if you know the right audience, then the last part is design, is just going out and shouting it to the world. So that's the time when until that time is all internal, this process with you, you find, you define, you look. 
And when you did that, then the design part is going and sharing it with the world in different ways. I mean, by standing on stages, by writing books, whatever you want, blogs, audio, video, there's so many free tools in our days to share on your business card, on your signature of your email, everywhere should be seen your personal brand. Because that's where you start putting it in front. And when people see it on a consistent basis, then you are your personal brand. Yep. So you're almost brainwashing people's mind. But that's that's more the... <laughs> the yeah, that's exactly. That laugh's going to really come out on the <laughs> podcast. So it, uh, so brainwash. I got it. No, I'm just kidding. So I wish we had more time. Um, and we're going to ask you back. But it's a, uh, how can people get a hold of you? So best way is probably via LinkedIn. And or my website is itzikamiel.com. Okay, and, and we will... So the, I will also probably put it in the note, but it's also the website of the Switch Hub. Where I can find more new things that are coming out, a lot of uh, interesting new discoveries that I'm putting in. So it's brand new website. It's hub.theswit.ch. So hub.theswitch, and there's a dot between the T and the CH. Okay, so, uh, so we're going to make sure... Yes, we will make sure that that is on the podcast itself because I'm encouraging people to... Uh, by a, uh, there's a limited edition of your book right now, Attention Switch, that I also think is helpful, not on Amazon, intentionally on your site, because you are giving the proceeds. Talk about giving back to the Kidney Foundation. Um, we really, really appreciate you being on here with us today. And everyone listening today, please share and subscribe to our podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we will create a link to the discovery of your personal brand. And we look forward to hearing uh, or to sharing this and you sharing this out with your um, colleagues and friends. Connect with us on LinkedIn and we will see you the next time. Thanks, Isaac. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Michelle. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Lot.